Welcome to StarCast from Planet Waves. My name is Eric Francis Coppolino, host of Planet Waves FM, which resumes Friday the 23rd, and host of, no, I said that, and author of the Planet Waves horoscope, which will resume next week. Thanks for your patience with that. Uh, today we have a new article called Points of Orientation about the northern solstice, otherwise known as the summer solstice up here in uh, the northern hemisphere, the winter solstice down under, even though winter is not exactly the same most places down there as it is up here. Uh, that does not uh, change much. The sun entered the sign Cancer at 10.57 a.m. on Wednesday, Eastern Daylight Time. Um, in my uh, astrological universe, the solstice is the day that the sun rises in the new sign. That would be the day that I'm speaking to you, June 22nd, 2023. So, uh, welcome. Here's a reading of that chart and a few other bits. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned about this chart is that the solstice occurred um, with the sun in a close conjunction, half a degree, to Juno. Juno's an asteroid, I think the third discovered asteroid, something like uh, 1804, 1805, something like that. And it's a pretty important uh, f factor in astrology. I mean, all, all of these factors really do have their moment. But the, the conjunction of the Sun and Juno on a solstice who, who, anybody remember this? This is um, big-time astrological trivial pursuit. That happened at the winter solstice of 2012, the big 2012 thing, the the big, uh, the world is going to end, blah, blah, blah. And and one of the distinctions in that chart was that the, uh, the sun was conjunct Juno. And while all the other 2012 people were having panels and talking about Mayan astrology and um, and uh, cycles and things, thousands of years and Bakhtans and all all of this stuff. I looked at that chart and I said, "Well, there's a conjunction of the Sun and Juno. the The real theme of of 2012 is about relationships. And w wouldn't it just so happen that in the eight years following 2012, which in itself was kind of not really noteworthy, but in in those eight years, interpersonal relationships, particularly between men and women of the kind described in Juno, uh, came under almost nonstop assault. That that the private lives of of people were the thing that was going to come under the most stress in the post twenty twelve world. And, and you might say, well, there was a pandemic. And I would say, well, the, the real theme of the pandemic was the government reaching into people's private relationships, separating families and separating men and women from their normal modes of relationship. And then we, we are in uh, basically wall-to-wall, 24-by-7, queer, 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 and more queer. Now, look, I'm queer, okay? I'm officially out as bisexual, self-sexual, polyamorous. I'm not your average uh, hetero dude. But look, this is getting ridiculous. We, we, we do not need 24 by 7 advertising for queer, queer, and more queer. Such 
it's gotten so ridiculous that the other day I issued a uh, an article, a satire, saying that the blue stripe and the pride flag now stands for heterosexual men. Not that many people thought it was that funny. It only got 22 comments. Uh, should have gotten like 222 comments. So uh, we now have another solstice with the sun entering the sign at the solstice in a conjunction to Juno. Uh, Juno was in the, in the last degree of Gemini, still half a degree, no difference. Juno making that quincunx, 150-degree angle to Pluto. That, by the way, when the sun entered Cancer yesterday, it did so in a 150-degree angle to Pluto at the very tippy-tippy end of Capricorn. That was the what seemed to be the wave of insanity that rolled through civilization on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. All right, so that's, 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 <laughs> hello, that's the way I'm beginning this conversation. Now, uh, other aspects made by the sun that I have not mentioned in any of the articles I've written, uh, so they, they you'll, you'll hear them here. Um, one of them is that the sun entered Cancer in a square to Ceres. Now, I've been trying to figure out Ceres uh, for a long time. It is, it, is, it is not an easy one to figure out. It does not lend itself well to satisfying delineation. It's as complicated as a planet, but even planets uh, like Mars, for example, are, are easy to delineate. Now, when we simplify Ceres, we come down to food, plain and simple. Now, we can elaborate that into the relationship between food and one's emotions, uh, food and economic situation, food and, um, well, then there's the whole matter of the mother-daughter relationship implied in Ceres, because Ceres' daughter, Persephone, that is to say Demeter's daughter, Persephone, Ceres' daughter, Persephone, uh, it's a big drama, right, with Pluto and involved in all, all of that. So uh, we we have this square, and we have to ask ourselves what this square is about. Well, I think with food security problems uh, being very significant right now and the potential for worse food security problems, we need to be keeping an eye on Ceres as, uh, you know, an, an essential indicator of matters associated with food. So there, there we go. Sun and Cancer, Moon in uh, the first degree of Libra, conjunct the super galaxy M87, big amplifier of things around uh, the first degree of the cardinal sign. So we may be hearing more about food security issues in a time when a lot of people are wondering uh, when the other shoe is going to fall and what that other shoe is going to be, meaning that we are we have been really since 9/11 but before but but since 9/11 we've been living very rapidly from crisis to crisis. Back before 9/11 there were maybe two or three big news events a year. After 9/11, Suddenly, there was uh, what was sold to the public as a big news event, like every three days. And and you start to think it's normal, you know, when things are happening all the time. You think, wow, that that's just the way things are. But it's not the way things were. It may be the way things are. 
so the the presence of M87 uh, is uh, an in larger of events, and we're wondering what that next shoe dropping is going to be. Is it going to be a crash of the dollar? Is it going to be uh, an alien invasion from outer space? Is it going to be some episode of AI running wild? Is it uh, is it going to be a food security issue? Is it going to be some kind of a climate event? Is it going to be some kind of a new pandemic? Why am I thinking like this? Well, the reason I'm thinking like this is I'm uh, the the, re- the recent graduate of 1,185 days of uh, covering a non-existent pandemic seven days a week. The only reason I can say it was a non-existent pandemic is because I covered it seven days a week, and perhaps you didn't. And in fact, there's not very many of us who actually did uh, track the news seven days a week, often uh, clear through the day, hour by hour. Uh, and so when, when you start to see the behavior of government corporations and then their house organs called the news media essentially making things up completely, you, you could say out of whole cloth, but there's not even cloth uh, to make them up out of. They're just making them up out of images and, and concepts. You start to wonder what's going to be next. And when we're living in this phase of disaster capitalism, you wonder what's going to be next, even some more. So that when looking at an important chart, like the chart for the summer solstice, northern solstice, you want to see some clues uh, and, and be one, wondering what is up. And this chart is not very ominous. I mean, this chart is uh, it's kind of straightforward and, and I, I think even in some ways a friendly, uh, a friendly chart. For example, friendly is the current sextile of Jupiter and Saturn. Sounds fancy. It just means that Jupiter and Saturn are making a 90 degree, uh, excuse me, 60, big difference, big difference, 60 degree angle to one another relative to the Earth. So that 60 degree angle is highly stable. It is um, always helpful. It is a sign of balance. It is a sign of uh, collaboration, cooperation, uh, opportunity, uh, the, the, the ability to uh, keep, keep things in, in order. Now, when you see a 60-degree angle between two major planets called a sextile, the question is, some all, us old astrologers' minds, since the new ones don't – I haven't heard about this stuff um, – it's the odd pattern. <clears throat> And the, it's, it becomes a yod when you make a 150-degree line from uh, Jupiter out to the midpoint and a 150-degree line from Saturn out to the opposite midpoint. And you can see I've drawn that in in an orange triangle. Pay no attention to the line across that. That's a little bit different. That's connecting the Sun and Pluto. So uh, we have a yod pattern. when you Yod meaning a finger of God, 150, 150, 60. There's a number of different kinds of yod patterns, but your basic garden variety uh, yard, yard pattern is a 60, 150, 150. That is to say a sextile and two quincunxes. And the question is, what are those quincunxes pointing at? So I looked it up and they're pointing at a very slow moving conjunction of two points out in the Kuiper Belt. The Kuiper Belt is out by Pluto. Uh, Pluto takes 250 years to go around. Uh, Pluto is a kind of a, well, there's a whole group of things out by Pluto that have 250-ish years orbits. They're called Plutinos, of which Pluto is 
kind of the namesake. And then there's a bunch of stuff out in the 300-year orbit area. And both Maki Maki and Logos have approximately 300-year orbits, not around give or take five, five years. Um, and they are in a long conjunction in early Libra right now. And Maki Maki is named for a god of the Easter Island people, the, the Rapa Nui people. And it's an interesting thing. And I write about it in my new article called Points of Orientation. But the short version is that it is unusual to have a deity out of an indigenous culture that was uh, established as the official spiritual order in the 19th century. Easter Island is known for those ancient stone carvings. When they want, you wonder how they could possibly move a, a stone carving that that big without using any heavy equipment. How can they extract the stone from the quarry? How can they carve the thing? Well, the island is just overrun with hundreds of these massive statues, which seems to be the thing uh, the, it was the thing to do. And I guess that's what you do when you live on an island that's like a thousand miles from the nearest island and you and your people have never met anyone until the colonists arrived in the 18th century. So in the in the around the 1860s, they switch deities from ancestor worship to some kind of a fertility game involving swimming across the water, climbing a mountain, and finding the egg of a particular bird and getting the egg back safely without breaking the egg, like in South Park, and without getting eaten by sharks. This is dangerous. This exercise um, of of like winning. The Maki Maki games involve swimming through shark-infested waters, f- climbing a mountain, re- finding an egg, retrieving the egg without damage. You get swimming back across the shark-infested waters with the egg, living through it. And the first one to do that got to do nothing for a year. It sounds kind of Hunger Gamish because if you got eaten by the shark, somebody would quickly go and take your place. That they were all about uh, taking this immense, enormous risk uh, with their lives uh, for the sake of uh, some kind of a you know fertility ritual. Well, Maki Maki is the thing that got named from Easter Island, and those little facts, like it is a new god, it is a new order. It was a minor god. Maki Maki was a minor god, and the old order suddenly elevated to deity status. There's there's how you delineate. It's not so much about who and what is Maki Maki, a little bit, but but ah, suddenly the whole tradition of the island changes. This is also in a conjunction to Logos. It's a two-degree conjunction. It's very close and it's meaningful because there's a juxtaposition between this kind of irrational newly imposed game ritual under the influence of of colonization, right? The whole society being destroyed. Kings and queens and princesses are being captured and turned into slaves and taken to foreign countries and the royalty on their island and then somebody just grabs them and ties them up and throws them in a boat and and then they're and, and then they're slaves and the and so the social order falls apart. So it represents this game that comes at the time of the social order deteriorating. Logos 
correspondingly is a Greek concept of that which can be expressed in, in writing. And the Greeks were originators of or early adapters of phonetic writing. You know, the, the, the Phoenicians were among them and the Hebrews were among them. And there are a few of them. Well, we could debate whether Hebrew is, uh, is, is, uh, is a phonetic language, but it's close enough to the English uh, alphabet and German alphabet to uh, be comparable. So logos, in my read, is, is what makes sense, what is logical, what flows in a logical and rational way. And so you've got like makimake conjunct logos. This makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, and this makes perfect sense. And so we get we can play around with this, like that which makes no sense being said to make sense. OK, that's one interpretation. Or you've got this completely ridiculous thing, this ridiculous ritual, in my, in my opinion, compared to like ancestor worship, that that makes a lot more sense, contrasted with logos, a body of um, information that is reason, reasoned and is intelligible. Hmm. Okay, so this is where the Saturn-Jupiter sextile points. It points to a choice. It points to options. It points to does this uh, d does this square with known reality? These are the questions we need to be asking now. And that is about everything, about everything. So here is we, we see when we, when we look for this Jupiter-Saturn sextile, we want to know about that. We can look at the signs that it's in. We can look at relative house placements. But then it gives us this big clue. It's pointing right to the Maki Maki Logos conjunction. So we then can, we've got something new to think about that all those other chumps out there are going to ignore because they don't think that it makes any sense to look at these seemingly obscure factors out in the Kuiper belt. But that's the era of astrology we're in. That's the beauty of the moment that we are in is that we can do this and we can do it without stretching, without making the chart say something. And I can, give a, I can give a whole talk about how you read without making the chart say something. It partly means being objective. For example, to understand this, I had to do a whole new bo body of investigation into the nature of Maki Maki. I've been following this planet since it was discovered, like in 2005, and I couldn't quite put it together. I mean, I've put it in a lot of charts, and I just wasn't getting a clear signal on it. Kind of like with the series it gives me the same problems. So uh, I cast a discovery chart. I, I did the discovery charts thoroughly. I figured out where it, where it is in its own discovery chart. I sent out an email you may have seen. I got maybe 20 comments back talking about Easter Island and the Rapa Nui and various uh, stages of religion and theories about the uh, the the uh, ancestors now by the way let's close on the ancestors and i've written plenty about this chart in other places including the subscriber article and uh, i'll have more to say tomorrow night as well on planet waves fm on friday night the 23rd um ah folus ancestors so a lot in the astrology right now is pointing us toward the ancestors. It's pointing us toward a connection to the ancestors uh, as as part of the fabric of our reality and as part of the reality of the earth. Now, I haven't looked at the placement of Algira. That's always a good 
point to look at. Now, I will make sure that I look at Algera before I do uh, Planet Waves FM uh, tomorrow night. I'm going to just scribble that on <laughs> anything. Uh, I'm going to scribble out the instructions for a battery. Let's see if I actually remember. Algeria in the solstice chart. Now, another place I see ancestral activity going is that the sun is going to make an opposition to Pholus. That always brings in the ancestors. The sun entered Cancer in an opposition to Quayar in Capricorn. That Quayar Pholus conjunction, that's a lot about ancestors, too. That is talking about what's our story with our relationship to the past and the people of the past and how we got here. And what did they teach us? What did, what if anything, did we learn from the ancestors? This is very important in a time when we are living in a completely unhinged way, uh, as if there is no past and no future. And I'm not talking about living in the Zen consciousness of uh, peaceful uh, orientation on the present moment. This is not how we live. We have there's no Zen to what we're doing these days. We're completely uh, bounced around and torn apart and, uh, and, and living in confusion and chaos. And I think we need to, uh, you know, uh, put a couple of pins on the map and orient ourselves on the past and the present and the future so that we know where we are and we, we know to face forward and, and move forward and we have respect for what people in the past have done and we and we have respect for what our actions are going to do to people in the future. Okay, so that's a, yet another take on the solstice chart. Again, uh, the article uh, Points of Orientation has others. Uh, I will be back uh, soon, tomorrow night, with uh, Planet Waves FM featuring um, a discussion with Alex Zek about the end of COVID. This is Alex Zek, not in ninja mode, but in uh, in in guy who's just worked for six months on a project that he doesn't know if it's going to succeed or fail. I will do everything I can to help that project succeed, including in being in several uh, several different uh, videos for for this uh, to- a total of uh, five, if you count the interview with uh, with Alec. Two official presentations on the end of COVID. One about digital conditions, and the other about the chronology and what was going on in the very first weeks of the fabricated crisis. Uh, the cancer birthday reading will be available next week, um, and look for. My latest astrological adventure forthcoming on the astrology of the 1990s. My plan is tomorrow night, as part of Planet Waves FM, uh, to introduce the topic of the astrology of the 90s. Uh, And that'll be part of this thing called the Astrology Student Union. Look around my mailing, scroll down to the bottom, check the websites, check Substack. All kinds of great stuff. Coherent, beautifully written worked on articles and images and charts. We are the first website to have absolutely no content. If you are worried about overexposure to content, if you are swimming in content, I have good news for you. Planet Waves has none. We just have the beautiful things that we make. All right. Thank you for listening. Stay in touch. Bye for now.